Amen. Well, saints, we've been in our series, Redressing the Imbalance. Any of you enjoying this series? Hallelujah. We are pretty much a little past the halfway mark, uh, I believe, of this particular series. Amen. And uh, we're just going to keep on going. Uh, the last time we got together, I believe we talked about a fruit. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we talked about the fruit of patience. Amen. And we've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit versus the gifts of the spirits, And we're redressing the imbalance. Hallelujah. You don't just need one. You need both. Amen. And so uh, we've been doing one fruit, one gift, one fruit, one gift. And we've been taking our time. Amen. Hallelujah. And my prayer is that you have been stirred in your faith concerning these gifts. Amen. Hallelujah. And that God will just continue to stir up our faith today. I'm going to challenge you today. If you came in here a little bit discouraged, amen, shake it off real quick. Just, just, just shake it off real quick. Hallelujah. I, I encourage you to get your expectation really high. Amen. And, and get your hope up because we're going to talk about a particular gift today that's going to require faith. Amen. And I believe we have some in the room. Glory to God. And so without further ado, I'm going to ask you to open up to our main text. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I'm going to begin, hallelujah, at verse 7. I'm not going to read the whole thing because we've been reading it, hallelujah, every week. I'm going to begin at verse number 7. So when you have it, shout amen. That was quick, guys. Amen. You ready? Hallelujah. All right. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the Word of the Lord says this so. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But the manifestation, these are manifestations of the Spirit for the profit of the whole church. Amen. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. We already talked about that. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, and we've already talked about that one. Verse 9, to another faith. By the same spirit. And we've talked about that one. And to another, the gifts of healing. By the same spirit. We're going to talk about that one. And verse 10. And to another, the working of miracles. And I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to try to deal with two of them today. So look at verse 9 again. To another faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing. The gifts. Not gift. The gifts of healing. By the same spirit, to another, the working of miracles. Hallelujah. How many of you in this place believe that your God is still a healer? How many of you in this place believe that your God is still a miracle worker? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you, hallelujah, in a very mighty way to be with us on today. You are a confirmer of your word. Your word declares that you watch over it to perform it. And so we thank you, Lord God, for a spirit of performance in the house today. Confirm your word. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Very quickly, let me just begin with a, a definition. I'm going to start with a definition of healing 
And then I'm going to later on give you a definition of miracles. And hopefully the Lord will help us get through this whole thing today. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you go ahead and put that up on the screen. I think I created a slide for you. If you have a phone, now's the time to take it out and take a snapshot. Because you're probably not going to have a, a lot of time to write this down. So go ahead and take a snapshot of it. Hallelujah. Here's the definition very quickly. The gifts of healing are instantaneous and divine impartations of healing power for the purpose of curing specific sicknesses, diseases, injuries, or handicaps without the aid of natural means or human skills. Amen. I mean, that's a long one, but it's a good one. Hallelujah. Let me give you what healing means in the natural sense from a dictionary's perspective. If you look at Webster, here's what Webster says about healing. To make well, to make sound, whole, to restore to health, uh, to remedy, to amend, to restore to original purity or integrity, to return to a sound state. Amen. If I could give you a biblical definition of healing, here's one that comes, watch this now, from the book of Acts, chapter 10 and verse 38. And it is simply this, healing is the deliverance from the oppression from the devil. Healing is deliverance from the oppression of the devil. If you look at Acts 10 and 38, I won't turn to it for the sake of time. It says, and Jesus went about uh, healing and delivering all those that were oppressed of the devil. There are some sicknesses that Satan is behind. Are you in this place, church? Let me give you some areas of healing. Number one, physical healing. That's an area of healing. God can heal you in your body. Do you believe that in this place? Then there is inner healings. Inner healing has to do with the mind, the will, and the emotions. Amen? He can heal you on the outside, and he can heal you on the inside. And then there is spiritual healing. Amen? You, you don't have, you, listen, you might hear well physically, but you might have deaf ears spiritually. And you can see with these eyes, but you can't see with these eyes. They're called spiritual eyes. And just in case you didn't know, you have spiritual senses. Amen. But you could be deaf and blind spiritually and in need of some spiritual healing. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Let, now, very quickly, I'm, I'm, I'm in teaching mode right now. Hopefully, we'll get up to the good stuff. But let me give you some information. I want to give you at least seven ways you can be healed that are biblical. Seven ways you can be healed that are biblical. And I'm going to pop them up there on the screen. Amen. So I hope you're ready to take another snapshot. Put them up there very quickly. Hallelujah. Seven biblical ways to be healed. Now, I did the homework for you. So all you got to do is take a snapshot. Amen. So watch this. Hallelujah. Number one, praying for yourself. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> it's all right to pray for yourself. If if, if, if Paul were here, he'll tell you, I prayed for myself. Amen. There are scriptures up there, hallelujah, that speak unto asking God for something and God will give it to you. Amen. Pray for yourself. When I get sick, I pray for myself. Y'all not saying nothing to me. I lay hands on my own self. I put my own hand on my head and say, healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Pray for yourself. Number two, the prayer of agreement. The Bible says, if any, any two touch and agree as to anything on this earth, it shall be given unto them. There's power 
in agreement. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's always a good idea to get somebody to come into agreement with you and pray about something together. Amen. Number three, anointing with oil. Anointing with oil, hallelujah. There's a reason we have this little thing right here, amen. And so watch this. The Bible says in James, I'll just use James as an example. If there be any sick among you, call on the elders of the church and have the elders come, lay hands with oil, and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick, amen. That's another form. Here's another one, laying on of hands, amen. Laying on of hands. The Bible says lay hands on no one suddenly. That, that, that means, you know, don't go laying your hands on everybody, but you have to be led of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. But there is something that takes place when someone lays hands and is directed of the Lord. There is a transfer that takes place. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so the laying on of hands. And I, I, mean, I know that we know that one. Uh, here's another one for you. Speaking to the mountain. Sometimes you got to speak, you know, one of the things that impresses me about the, the, the apostles, uh, Peter, and some of these men, hallelujah, is that they didn't necessarily pray the way we pray. You ever notice that? You read your scriptures when Peter goes to, to, to raise the man that was lame at the gate called Beautiful. He, he, he didn't put his hands on him and say, God, now, if it be that, he didn't, he, that's not how he prayed. He looked at the man and he, he just spoke to it. You understand what I'm saying? He said, silver and gold, I have none. But such as I have, I give thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Another occasion you will see Jesus often tell a man, just get up. Get up and start walking. Or extend his hand and pick the man up. Hallelujah. Uh, they would speak to it. That's what I mean by speaking to the mountain. Just calling that thing out and speaking to it. Amen. Here's another one. Special anointings. Special anointings. If you ever go to Acts chapter 19, you're going to see that the Bible says that God brought curious works or special miracles through the Apostle Paul. And the Bible says that the Apostle Paul will take handkerchiefs, rub them on his body. Now, this is radical right here. Rub them on his body, then send them to other places and other cities. And when those handkerchiefs touched the people that were sick in those cities, they got healed. Amen. And so watch this. You're talking about a place and a time where miracles, hallelujah, uh, were considered normal. In this side of the hemisphere, we don't really believe in miracles like we're supposed to, hallelujah. But there are places. You, you go to places like Africa and you go to places like India where people don't have a choice but to believe. And you're going to see the supernatural move there in a powerful way because they don't have options. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? I'm going to talk about that more in a moment, hallelujah. But Paul did special, special things through a special anointing. And so did, uh, so did Peter. Peter was so anointed, the Bible says his shadow healed people. You, you know, you, he didn't even have to touch you. That's how, they found out Peter was coming, and they threw all the sick people in the street, knowing that he was going to come down that street in hopes that his shadow, his shadow, my God, if you just got in his shadow, you were going to get hit with the power of God. And that's something. Amen. So special anointings. And then the last one, which is the one that we're going to try to focus on a little bit today, is the gifts of healings. The gifts of healing. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. And so watch this. We just read about this particular gift in 1 Corinthians 12 and 9. The first thing I want to tell you today is that if you look at the Greek rendering, because understand that the New Testament was written in Greek. When you read it, when you read it in the King James, it's going to say uh, gift or gifts of healing. 
But when you read it in the Greek, the, the actual Greek rendering, it's, the whole thing is plural. As a matter of fact, it's pronounced charismatica y amaton. That almost sounds Spanish. Charismatica or charismate, charismata y amaton. And it is plural, and the way it's really read is gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. Not just gift of healing, but gifts of healings. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, in the Greek, it is plural. It is plural. Amen. I'm going to talk about that some more in a moment. Hallelujah. It is a spiritual gift that is closely related to the gift of faith. And miracles, amen. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, we separated these into groups, amen. We've already done what we call the revelation gifts. The revelation gifts are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, amen. Those are the revelation gifts. Right now, we are in the power gifts. The power gifts are faith, come on, healing, and miracles, amen. These three right here, just like the other three I just mentioned, are somewhat of a spiritual 3-4 chord, amen? You're going to need faith to operate in these, amen? And oftentimes, hallelujah, where you see healings, you often see miracles as well, amen? So watch this. I want you to just keep that in mind as we continue to move forward, hallelujah, on tonight. Because all these gifts are exercised by faith, amen? This gift is interesting because, watch this, if you have this gift, or you, if you are operating in gifts, watch this, of healings, that does not guarantee that everybody you pray for is going to be healed. I'm going to mess somebody up in this place today. Hallelujah. I, well, that does not mean that you ought not believe that everybody you pray for is going to be healed. Now, you pray the prayer of faith. Amen. You leave the results up to God because at the end of the day, the Bible says that this thing is sovereignly, hallelujah, uh, executed by the will of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? So it's not you. It's a gift of the Spirit working through you. And so watch this. I believe that everybody I'm going to lay hands on is going to get healed. But if somebody does does not get healed, I'm not going to get discouraged. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Okay, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about in here. The Apostle Paul, we just mentioned him a moment ago, right? We understand that the Apostle Paul moved in supernatural gifts. Amen. We just read that the Apostle Paul would take handkerchiefs, rub them on his body, send them to cities, and people would get healed. On another occasion, he healed a lame man. Hallelujah. Just told him to get up, and the man got up and just started walking. Hallelujah. But that same Apostle Paul prayed for himself. I said he prayed for himself three times. And after praying for himself three times, he did not get healed. Now, the Lord, the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, my grace is sufficient unto thee. Amen. Because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And the Bible lets us know also that Paul uh, carried a tremendous amount of revelation and needed to be humbled. Hallelujah. So the very fact that God's grace was with him, was actually helping him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I could talk to you about other men in the Bible that walked with Paul. One in particular, and I have a hard time saying this name, so bear with me here. His name is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, uh, according to Paul, was sick unto death. Amen? And he almost died. And if it wasn't for God's mercy, he would have died. But he didn't necessarily get healed when Paul prayed for him. 
Let me give you another example. There was another man in the Bible, and his name, <clears throat> his name was let me, Trophimus. Trophimus. And according, as a matter of fact, let me show it to you. 2 Timothy 4 and 20. 2 Timothy 4 and 20, because I, I want them to see it for themselves. 2 Timothy 4 and 20. Hallelujah, Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 20. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Triophimus have I left at Melitam sick. I had to leave him there sick. Now, <clears throat> does, do you not think that the apostle Paul, before he decided that he was going to leave him, didn't pray for him first? Chances are that the apostle Paul did pray for him. But this particular man did not get healed. Let me give you another example. Uh, Timothy. How many of you read your Bible and you know that Timothy has some issues with his stomach? The Bible declares that Timothy had issues with his stomach. Hallelujah. And so what does Paul tell Timothy? Paul tells Timothy, hallelujah, something that I don't recommend, but this is what he told them. He said, have a little bit of wine for what's going on in your stomach. Amen. Now, do you not believe that before Paul told him to do that, that Paul would pray for him? I mean, it's almost common sense. I'm praying for you, Timothy. Uh, but if that thing ain't getting better, you know what? Do this. Are you following what I'm saying? And here's what you have to understand. Back then, I don't want to get into this right now, but back then, hallelujah, one of the cleanest, purest beverages was the wine. Because the water, and for the most part, in that time, in that place, had contaminants in it. Amen? And it was through the process of fermentation that it would kill the, the contaminants in the wine. So I could almost see why the Apostle Paul would tell Timothy to have a drink of wine because the content in the wine was going to help whatever it was that was ailing his stomach. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? But here's what I'm trying to tell you. Amen. Timothy didn't get healed from whatever it was that was bothering his stomach. Paul didn't get healed from the thorn in his flesh. Amen. Triophimus did not get healed. And so he had to leave him in the city. Hallelujah. And keep it moving. Are you following what I'm saying in here? So here's what I'm saying. You could be operating in a gift like this. I could, like, God could use me right now to start operating in that gift and maybe seven, eight people could get healed in this place, but there's no guarantee that everybody is going to get healed. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Now, just because everybody is not getting healed does not mean that it's not God's will for people to be healed. Let me throw that out there, okay? Because I don't want you to get this idea that says, well, God wills some to, to, to be sick and die and wills some uh, to live because he plays favoritism. That, that's not what I'm talking about. In the same way the Bible says, watch this, I will that none perish, but that all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the same way that he wills for everybody to get saved, that does not mean everybody's going to get saved. And so in the, same, in the same way I believe God has made healing available, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that everybody is going to be healed. And I'm not going to stand up here and, I know, and, and, and pretend to know the answer or the explanation for every case where someone does not get healed. I, I do not. I get to the place where at some point if I lay hands on you and you don't get healed, I have to trust God that he knows more than I do, that his ways are above my ways. There are times in the Bible where he says this sickness is not unto death, but it's for my glory. Hallelujah. So if God's going to get glory from me carrying it for a little while longer, 
stronger than let it be. I got to trust that God knows more than I do. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? You know, on that occasion, uh, the disciples asked God who sinned concerning this particular man because they automatically assumed that if he was sick, it was because of some sin. And God said, neither, neither his mother nor his kids. This, is, this sickness is not unto death. But it is for the glory of God. But then there's something that could be said about the fact, hallelujah, that if you live a life of disobedience, it can bring consequences as well. That's why on another occasion Jesus said, watch this, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah, Jesus. So, glory to God. Even Jesus, now here's, here we have an explanation though, but even Jesus himself goes to a place called Nazareth, and you know the story. The Bible says he could not but heal one or two individuals because the people from Nazareth became common with him, or they familiarized themselves with him. In other words, they saw him as the carpenter's son. They didn't see him as the Christos. They saw him as Joseph's boy. And they said, we grew up with him. We knew him. And because they viewed him as common, they could not extract from him that which, we, which he was carrying. Amen? You'll never be able to draw from anything you view as common. You always hear me say that. Hallelujah. In other words, they were dishonoring him. And because of dishonor and a disrespect, they couldn't draw from him. This is why the Bible on another occasion says, whoever receives a prophet in the name of a prophet receives the prophet's reward. Amen, somebody. But if, if he comes as a prophet and you don't receive him as a prophet and you don't see him as a prophet and you view him as common, then what you get from him is going to be common. And he could be carrying your breakthrough. But because you perceived him incorrectly, you can't extrapolate what he's carrying. And so Jesus is not limited. But when he comes to Nazareth, they don't perceive him correctly. Therefore, they cannot draw from him. Are you in this place? This is why you should never get familiar with the presence of God. Never get familiar with the gift of God. Amen, somebody. Never get familiar with your spouse. That's a whole other teaching right there. Amen, somebody. Because that's going to bring some problemas. Amen. The Bible says in Nazareth, hallelujah, that because... It was not just dishonor. It was not just, hallelujah, familiarity. It was not just that they viewed him as common. It was straight up unbelief. Unbelief is going to hinder the power of God to heal if you don't believe. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Jesus goes into Jairus' door, uh, daughter's house. The girl is already dead, right? And they had professional mourners there. Could you believe that? They paid people to come and cry. And so they had professional mourners there, and they were all crying, making it look like a real, you know, sad place. And, and Jesus comes, and he says, everybody out. Everybody that don't believe, get out. And he took the little girl's parents, and he took his three, you know, those three, the ones that were in the garden with him and the one that were on the mountain with him, amen. He took those three into the room, and then he prayed for her. And with two words, salitai kumai, which means damsel arise, the little girl woke up. Amen, somebody. It's a powerful story because then he looks at the disciples or he looks at her parents and says, give her something to eat. Amen. Hallelujah. Because once I raise you up, you got to be fed. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're blessed so far, shout glory. 
Thank you, Jesus. And so watch this. At the end of the day, if a healing is not granted, it's not for me to try to determine what happened. Amen. Now watch this. If a healing does not take place, you can't ask God why. You can't ask him. All right. That should be your attitude. Uh, when the disciples tried to heal a little boy that was vexed with a demon whose father brought them to the disciples, nine disciples, nine, the ones that didn't go to the mountain, I'm going to leave that alone, but tried to cast out this demon and they could not. Jesus comes and in no time he cast the demon out. And the disciples, this is what I like about the disciples, because you might be looking at them like, man, they didn't have no power. This is what I like about them. They go, they follow Jesus into a house, and so they get in private with Jesus, and they ask Jesus, why couldn't we do it? And when they ask Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Jesus told them why. Jesus told them because this kind, and so he was teaching already. He was letting them know there are different kinds. There are different levels. There are different ranks. And he said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this. If they, would, if they would have just accepted the fact, okay, he didn't heal him, all right. And they never would have went and got with Jesus in private. They would have never found out why that person didn't get healed. So here's my recommendation. When I lay hands on somebody and they don't get healed, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to get along with Jesus and I'm going to ask him why. Because he might just tell me why. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Hallelujah. And that should be the attitude. You should just not be satisfied with the fact that it didn't happen. You can ask why. And you should get with Jesus and you should ask why. Amen, somebody. Now, the spiritual gift that we're talking about today, hallelujah, is an intimate one. Because it, really, it reveals the heart and the compassion of God. When somebody gets healed, hallelujah, right away you begin to feel and understand that God is near unto you. And he's not as far away as, far away as some people think. Amen, somebody. It reveals the compassion of your God and how much he cares about the suffering of people. Amen. Healing is supposed to draw people to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah says something very interesting. When you read Isaiah 53, he says, and I don't want to read the whole thing because I don't have a lot of time and I got a lot to say. He says, watch this, by his stripes you are healed. He, he didn't say by his stripes you will be healed. He said by his stripes you are healed. And then if you go to the New Testament, Peter mentions the same thing. He quotes Isaiah, but he says it differently. And rather than saying by his stripes you are healed, Peter takes it to another place and he said by his stripes you were by his stripes, you were healed. Amen, somebody. So what the text is saying is that because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the stripes that Jesus took, hallelujah, healing has been provided. This is why sometimes, hallelujah, I don't, I don't necessarily pray God heal her. What I pray is God manifest the healing that you already provided 2,000 years ago in her life and in her body right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And that's just you simply taking him at his word. Amen? Hallelujah, Jesus. Even when Peter plays, prays for Tabitha in another place in the Bible, uh, the Bible says that he, he, he gets down to pray. But most scholars will tell you he's not necessarily praying for her. He's praying to God asking for direction concerning her. 
God help me in here. In other words, hallelujah, somebody asks you to pray for somebody or go to a hospital and pray for somebody, you, you don't necessarily need to be quick to go there. You need to pray to God to get direction about how God will have you move in that place. Amen. And so he prays, watch this, he prays for a moment, gets some direction, gets up, and then speaks to it. And says, get up. And she got up. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? If you notice, even, even Jesus, before he raised Lazarus, he prayed. Before he raised Lazarus, he, he prayed unto God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then he called them out. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Thank you, Jesus. So watch this. With that being said, let me give you my first point. Throw it up there. I only have a little bit. Your healing is connected to your hearing. Hear me in here. Your healing is connected to your hearing. Put Galatians 3 verses 2 and 5 up on there real quickly. Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse number 2. Watch this now, church. This only would I learn of you. Receive, listen to the question here. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the or by the hearing of faith. Next verse. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Next verse. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Next verse is where I'm going to have my nail. He, therefore, that ministereth to you the spirit, and worketh what? And worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? I'm trying to tell you that your healing is connected to your hearing. When Paul is talking here, he is automatically assuming that people are still preaching the word of God with power. He is assuming, hallelujah, that the preaching, hallelujah, the word of God is still talking about the power of God to heal. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Oh, God, have mercy. Hallelujah. Right now, I am preaching, watch this now, to impart faith in the room. To impart faith, hallelujah, watch this, so that a miracle can take place or a healing can take place in this place. Because how many of you know that Romans 10 says that, watch this, faith comes by, faith comes by hearing, amen, hallelujah. And I like that right there because it says faith comes. So you could have came in here without it, but as you listen, it can come. I said, it can come to you. It moves. It travels. Hallelujah. And as you're hearing, your faith can be stirred and faith come. And so this is why I challenged you in the beginning of the service, hallelujah, to get your expectation up. Hallelujah. Because we want faith to come. Because when faith comes, hallelujah, a miracle can take place in this place. Do you believe it in here? Hallelujah. The text says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing, come on now, by the word of God. And you automatically, that, you automatically assume that that's talking about the written word of God. But if you read it in its original language, the word word there is not logos. It's not logos. Logos is the complete word of God. It is talking about the written word of God. But if you check your Greek here, it, the word for word here is not logo, it's rhema. It's rhema, which is a spoken word. 
This is why I said hearing is not just a word you read, it's a word you hear. God help me in here. And even when you read the word, it ain't going to hit you until you hear it with your spiritual ears. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And so watch this, the fact that it uses the, the, the word hearing and the fact that it uses the, the, the word rhema instead of logos is insinuating that this is you hearing my voice. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I really believe that you can gain faith by reading the word of God. Amen. I would even recommend that when you do read the word of God, that you read it out loud. So that way you can hear it. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. But I will submit to you that this text right here is not just talking about the written, the written word. It's making an emphasis on the word you hear. On the word you hear. Amen, somebody. I believe that somebody's faith can get stirred up by the word you're hearing. Tonight, do you believe that in this place? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Uh, when you read the word of God, hallelujah, you can read it. But how many, of you, how many of you in here can testify that there are times where I read the word of God, but there are other times when the word reads me? When the word reads you, that's when the word has come alive. Amen. That's when you can say you have heard the breath of God or the voice of God because his word is his breath. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Hallelujah. And you don't just need to read the word of God. You need to read it until it starts reading you. And it's when it starts reading you is, the, is when change starts taking place in your life and in your mind. Amen. John 10 and 27 said, my sheep hear my voice. You know, a previous verse says they know my voice, but I like 27 because he says they hear my voice. Amen. And they follow me. You know that the shepherd, hallelujah, you, you, you've heard me say this to you before. How many of you know that sheep don't, don't have good vision? Sheep don't see good. And, you know, it's, it's messed up that the Bible compares us to sheep. And so when the, when the shepherd gets in front of the sheep, you have to understand that the shepherd's not up front so that they can see him because they don't see well. He's up front so they can hear him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My sheep hear my voice. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. And a stranger they will not follow. Exodus 15 and 26. Can we put it up on the screen very quickly? Exodus 15, 26. You guys doing all right? Hallelujah. I'm getting there. Exodus 15, 26, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice, to the voice, to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these, what? Diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, when it says, and said, if thou will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord. I looked that up in the Hebrew, hallelujah. And in the Hebrew, it was interesting because in the Hebrew, it reads, watch this. If listening, you will listen. If listening, you will listen. And I begin to say to myself, well, how do you listen and if you're listening? And God began to minister to me, hallelujah, uh, in a way where I could understand it. He said, watch this, hallelujah, how many ears do you have? And I said, two, and he said, that's what I mean. Listen to me with 
both ears. Because the problem with some of us is that we listen to God with one ear, but then we listen to the devil with the other ear. And if you listen to God with one ear and you listen to the devil with the other ear, you end up with mental confusion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so he's saying, I gave you both. I need you to use both of them to listen. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 28, hallelujah. How many, you guys know this, right? This is where it talks about blessings and cursings. And God says, hallelujah, if you hearken diligently unto my voice, all these blessings shall come upon you and shall overtake you. God, help me in here. A lot of us, hallelujah, are, are, are busy trying to follow or chase blessings. And God said, you don't got to chase blessings. All you got to do is open your ears. If you ever learn how to listen, blessings will chase you. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Let me give you one more. Proverbs 4 and verse 20. Show me Proverbs 4 and verse 20 real quickly. It's Wednesday. I'm giving you Bible. Proverbs 4 and 20. Proverbs 4 and 20. I like this one right here. Hallelujah. Listen to what it says. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear for what? To listen. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Next verse. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Next verse. For they are life unto those that find them. Now watch this. And health, health to all your flesh. Now you didn't hear, you didn't hear me. If you have health in all your flesh, then there is no room for sickness. Did you hear what I just said? If you have health in all your flesh, then there is no room for sickness. But watch, I, I need you to really catch this right here. Show me verse 20 again. Hallelujah. My son, attend to my words. Make, my, make, make his word a priority. That's number one. Amen. The second thing he says is incline your ear. Humble yourself. When you hear my word. Amen? Because some people only humble themselves, hallelujah, when the word means what they want it to mean. But when God confronts your poor interpretation of the word, you have to humble yourself. So he says, incline thine ears unto my sayings, amen, which is humble yourself. So watch this now. Make my word a priority and humble yourself to my word. Amen? Two, right? Here's the next thing. Give me the next verse. Let them not depart from thy eyes. So watch this, hallelujah. This is talking about a written word and also a spoken word. Because he said, hallelujah. Show me the first verse again. I'm sorry. Show me 20 again. I want to make sure you get this. My son, attend to my words. Right? That's the written word. Incline thine ear to my sayings. That's the spoken word. Are you following what I'm saying? Now show me the next verse. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So focus on my word and keep my word in your heart. Make my word a priority. Humble yourselves in my word. Come on, somebody. Focus on my word. Keep my word in your heart. And the result will be, verse 22, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all your flesh. Ooh, God. I don't know about you, but I want health 
in all my flesh. And so, give ear to the word of God. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Let me say this to you very quickly. The primary purpose for the Holy Ghost is to reveal the Son of God. The primary purpose you have the Holy Spirit is to reveal the Son of God. Put my next point up there real quickly. Hallelujah. Because now I got to move. You have the Holy Spirit, so you are not limited to earth for your learning. I'm going to say that one more time. You have the Holy Spirit, so you are not limited to earth. So you're not just grounded, grounded to the natural for your learning. You have the Holy Spirit because the Bible says he will, watch this, lead you into all truth. You have the Holy Spirit because he will teach you. He's a teacher. He will teach you of things to come. Amen. The Bible says, hallelujah, that he knows the depths of God and he also knows your heart. So if you're going to learn anything about God, he's going to have to find it out for you and then drop it from his spirit to your spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And so watch this. The reason you have the Holy Spirit is so that you're not limited to being grounded on the earth for all your learning. There is things that you can learn that are natural, but then there is wisdom that comes from another place. I said there is wisdom that's co that comes from another place. Amen? There's a difference between the wisdom of this world versus the wisdom of God. Amen? And, and while there's nothing wrong with learning, amen, hallelujah, even here on the earth, you don't want to be limited to learning that just comes from the earth. Are you in this place? The Holy Spirit is the one that gives you access, hallelujah, so that you can get learning from another place. Because watch this, the Bible says that the kingdoms of this world are not the kingdom of, are not like the kingdom of God. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a, there's a way we do things down here that's not the way he does things up there. Are you following what I'm saying in here? Do you remember when Jacob had a dream? The Bible says that Jacob had a dream, and in his dream he saw a ladder. And he saw a ladder that reached all the way unto the heavens. And if you read the Bible carefully, you're going to find that the next verse says, and he saw angels. But watch this, he saw them ascending and descending. Now, you got to catch that because he did not say that they were descending and ascending. And so watch this. The reason is because it could be that it's not talking about those angels. Help me in here. Because angels are messengers. Amen. And watch this. Even the pastors and those that God uses in the preaching of the gospel are messengers. And so when you're talking about angels, watch this, ascending and then descending, you're talking about servants of God that are going up to get wisdom that comes from another place and then bringing it back down to the earth. Hallelujah. So the kingdom can come to the earth. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. God does not just want people to get to heaven. He wants heaven to get to people. I said he wants heaven to get to people. Hallelujah. If all God wanted was to take people unto heaven, he would have did it a long time ago. Hallelujah. He wants heaven to come down. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. I want what's happening up there to start happening down here. If you really understood heaven, hallelujah, you understood that heaven is not just a place, but heaven is a presence. Heaven is an atmosphere that Jesus carried. And whenever Jesus got somewhere, heaven just got there. This is why I love that song by Israel that says, hallelujah, uh, your presence is heaven to me. That's a psalmist that caught that revelation, hallelujah, because he understands 
that heaven is more than just a place and that you can get it in the earth. Are you in this place? They asked Jesus, where's the kingdom of God? Hallelujah. He said, it's neither here nor there. It's, it's inside of you. It's something you can carry. God, help me in this place. If you're blessed, shout glory in here. Woo. To some people, the only heaven you see is what you read on the pages of the Bible because you've never seen a miracle. Never experienced the supernatural. Amen. But your Bible is, and your Bible is full of these particular stories, amen, hallelujah, where, where men like Elijah and men like Elisha didn't just do healings, they did miracles. Not just healings, miracles. And whenever you make an axe float, that's not a healing. That's a miracle. If you can make an axe head float, that's a miracle. If you can get vessels and take a, a, a jar of oil this big and start pouring it into hundreds of vessels, hallelujah, that ain't no healing. That is a miracle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And throughout the Bible, hallelujah, you're going to see miracles. But I wonder, hallelujah, if, uh, if the, the body of Christ as a whole today still has an appetite for miracles. Because sometimes you have not. Amen. Raising people from the dead, that's not healing. That's a miracle, oh God. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? There are gifts of healings and then there are gifts or the working of miracles. Amen. I think that some of heaven's agents are bored with us. Let me, that's just me. Let me just, let me just be me. I think some angels in heaven ain't got nothing to do right now, hallelujah, because of the kind of request we're submitting unto God. Because some of us, what we call going to, going to war, what we, go, what we call going to war in prayer is, is, is uh, going to war for cell phone, cell phone bills. Going to war for cell phone bills, going to war for the mortgage. Come on, somebody. Going, going to war for weight loss and, the, and the, light, the light bill. Hallelujah. Going to war for that special someone that I want to meet. Hallelujah. And I just think that he, Jeremiah put it like this. Is there anything too hard for God? I believe that God's waiting for somebody to start praying for something hard. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? On one occasion, hallelujah, he made water come supernaturally, not from the sky. He told men, hallelujah, to dig ditches and made water supernaturally appear. And then looked at them and said, this is but a small thing for me. You over here tripping over the bill. Give something God hard. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's a miracle worker. God, help me in here. I said he's a miracle worker. You know, now that we are in December, right? We're in December. Everybody is decorating, right? Everybody's putting up that tree. Everybody's doing their shopping. Everybody got the front of the house looking really nice. Amen. We're investing money. And, and the, the thing is that we're excited and we're festive, right? Uh, because we're celebrating the greatest miracle that ever hit the planet, which is the virgin birth, but we don't have an appetite for miracles. Could you imagine that? That's like, let me, let me put that in perspective for you. That's like me coming to your house on your birthday with a piece of cake, but for the other 364 years, you don't hear from me. And we think that the relationship is going to be fine because I brought you a piece of cake. 
on your birthday. And so do you really think that Jesus is pleased? Because we celebrate him during this time only. And then for the other 364 years, we are walking in inactive faith. Not believing for nothing. Hallelujah. Are you in this place, church? Let me give you the definition of a miracle very quickly. I'm almost done. Here's the definition. A miracle is the reversal of a natural law. It is the temporal suspension of natural order. It is God interjecting his sovereignty against a science. Against a science. Oh, yeah, he'll shock the scientists too. Amen, somebody. You know, when, when, you, when, you look at, when you look at the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, you, you're blown away by the fact that Jesus raised them up. But can I submit to you that it's deeper than that? The miracle, what makes the miracle that much more powerful is how long he took. The length of time that he waited before he raised him up. Are you hearing me? All right, let me give you what, let me talk to you about what I mean. Because a lot of people could easily say, well, you know, maybe he never really died. Maybe it was spontaneous combustion and he just snapped out of his coma, his coma state, amen? Or maybe you just buried him alive. People have made that mistake, they say, right? Maybe you just buried him alive and so he, you know, he, I don't know, you know, uh, they come up with something. As a matter of fact, here, uh, the Sadducees, you know, you had the Pharisees and you had the Sadducees. The Sadducees are worse than the Pharisees. They're so sad, you see. They, listen, they are so sad. <laughs> they, they are so sad, you see, that they believe, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Number one, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in a resurrection. Number two, they believed that the spirit of a man stood in the man for three days. You got to study they believed that the spirit of a man stood in the body of the man for three days after he died, and then the spirit would leave. You didn't think Jesus knew this? So when Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, he has time to get there by day two. But he said, I ain't in no rush. Now, most of y'all would get offended. Why you didn't come see me? On the first day, pastor. And so a lot of people would have got offended, amen, because Jesus said, I ain't rushing. He gets there on day four. Day four. And the Bible says that by then the death process has begun and rigor mortis has begun to set in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And even his sisters came up to him and said, oh, don't, don't move the stone because it stinks. It's that bad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus saying, now first of all, understand this. The women come to Jesus and they're upset at him. They're upset. They're like, it's your fault. If you would have been here, this wouldn't have been happened. And that's what happens to most people who find themselves, watch this, in delay as it pertains to help. Because if, you're, if your help is delayed, your heart will look for somebody to make responsible. Oh, yes. Your heart is going to want to blame somebody for the delay. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And so they said, if you were here, it wouldn't have happened. 
In other words, you're too late. Because some people view Jesus or God as the God of the past. He did miracles back then, but he's not doing miracles today. And then here comes the other sister, and she said the same thing. You would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, your brother shall rise again. And she said, and she said oh, I know. She tried to get theological. She said, oh, I know. In the last day, in the day of the resurrection, because she saw him as the God of tomorrow. So one of them saw him as the God of yesterday, and the other one saw him as the God of tomorrow, but they limited to him because he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so she looked at him and said, I know in the last day, in the resurrection, he said, woman, I am the resurrection. Watch this. And then he tells her, and didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Because, you know, when we go through, we forget what he told us. Didn't I tell you that if you would just believe, you would see what? The glory of the Lord. Which leads me to my next point. You better catch this. Miracles are attached to messages. God help me in here. I said miracles are attached to messages. Watch this. Before Jesus addresses death, he addresses glory. Listen, listen. He said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you will see the glory of the Lord? The reason we don't have miracles is because there is no appetite for glory. But if my people got hungry for my glory, you will start seeing some miracles. So is there anybody in the place, hallelujah, that's hungry for glory? Is there anybody in the place that still, like Moses, would dare, would dare pray, show me, show me your glory? Ooh, Jesus. Are you blessed in here? Could you imagine the Sadducees? I got to move. <laughs> Could you imagine the Sadducees? When Jesus said, remove the stone, and he sees those men removing the stone, the Sadducees, Sadducees might have been like, he's crazy. Because it's day four. That spirit left yesterday. That spirit ain't even there. He is crazy. He's about to embarrass himself. They were standing there like this. But when Jesus said, Lazarus, it didn't matter if that spirit was in between the second and third heaven already. When Jesus said, Lazarus, that spirit had to hit the brakes and come right back down. Hallelujah. Because he has been given all authority and all power. And so if Jesus calls that spirit back, that spirit has to come back. I don't care if it's been three days, four days, or five days. I don't care how stinky that situation is. I don't care how stinky your situation is. When Jesus says it's time for that thing to wake up, it's time for that thing to wake up. Hallelujah. Woo. Miracles are attached to messages. When Jesus showed up, heaven showed up. When heaven showed up, death couldn't stay dead. Because nobody dies in heaven. You don't hear what I'm saying. So death had to reverse. Are you blessed in here? Show me John 3 and 2. John chapter 3 and verse 2. I got 12 minutes, and I plan on finishing. John 3, 2. They're losing faith in me, Lord. <laughs> John, 
John 3, 2. Watch this now. I said, I said miracles are attached to messages. Amen. Miracles are supposed to go hand in hand with the word of God being preached. Amen. Watch this now. The Satan came to Jesus by night, talking about Nicodemus. If I was preaching it to kids, I would call this message Nick at night. Because Nicodemus came at night. Amen. Watch this. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. We know you teach. We know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do what? These miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So I want you to notice how teaching and miracles are actually supposed to be flowing together. As a matter of fact, let me put it to you another way. Let me give it to you the way I feel it. Healings and miracles are confirmations to the word. I said healing and miracles are confirmations to the word. Notice that I said the word, not even the person. Not even the person speaking the word. The word, that's why you could, got, you could have somebody, oh boy, you could have somebody who ain't living right. You can have somebody who's using the word to manipulate people. You can have somebody who's asking you for all your money and telling you to pay them, hallelujah, so that you could get your miracle. And yet you'll still have a testimony about a woman who moved in faith, sent money, hallelujah, and got her miracle. Not because of him, but because he used the word. And whenever you use the word and somebody moves by faith to the word, hallelujah, God's going to honor the word with the miracle. Now, that man is going to stand before God one day. And he might say, but I healed in your name. And God might turn around and say, yeah, but I don't know you. And so listen to what I'm telling you, hallelujah. He will confirm his word. Healings. And miracles are confirmations to his word. The Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. Amen, somebody. Oh, God, have mercy. And this is why you need to know the word. So that you cannot be taken advantage of or manipulated. Amen. Or assume that somebody's right just because a miracle took place. The word is what was honored there. Not the man. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. On one occasion, Jesus told the people this. Except you see a miracle, you will not believe. Except you see a miracle, you will not believe. Because that is the tendency of man. I need to see to believe. Amen. And here's the reality. Uh, the carnal man does not understand, understand the things of the spirit, the Bible says. You can't come to carnal people super spiritual. Because then you become what the Bible calls, watch this, too spiritually minded to be any earthly good. The carnal man does not understand the things of the spirit. So they're going to look at the way you live to get a glimpse of the God on the inside of you. Are you following what I'm saying in here? And so you have to be wise on how you minister to people. Mm. Watch this. And a lot of people are unconvinced by the devil because of a miracle. How many of you in here have seen God do a miracle? Whether it's in somebody else or in your own life. Do I got anybody that can testify? I know he's real because of what he did. Because of what he did in, in me. Hallelujah. Watch this. And sometimes, hallelujah, the reason you're unconvinced, the, the reason you ain't going to let nobody's uh, 
philosophical uh, education convince you is because you are already convinced because of the miracle in you. So watch this, watch this. I'm at a place now in my life where my study of the word of God is, 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 is grounding me. And so watch this. His word upholds me. It's the depth of the knowledge of the word of God that upholds me. But when I was a baby Christian, that's not what was holding me. Because I hadn't learned yet. Learn took, learning took time. You know what held me in place? Miracles. It was the stuff that he was doing in my life, in the life of my, of my wife, and in the life of people around me that kept me grounded. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Until my learning caught up. And so this world needs to see some miracles. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. Jesus. Whew. How many of you know? See, I need real people for this. You know, church people, we act, we act funny in church sometimes. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. When life happens, when life really happens, it'll knock your notes out of your hand. I said, when life happens, it'll knock the notes out of your hand. You come to church, you take notes, praise God. But if you ever had a real battle, it'll knock the notes out of your hand. Hallelujah. Have you ever been there where you gave up and you said, my God, God's not going to show up. And if God don't show up, it's over. Hallelujah. But then he shows up, my God, right at the right time. And Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah, Jesus. God. Here, here, I think this is my, it might be my last point. Miracles are for the memory. Hear me now. It's not going to sit in right away, but before we're done in the next six minutes, I plan for it to sit in. Before I even get into that, hallelujah. How many of you know the Bible talks about signs and wonders? Signs and wonders. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's a prayer I want you to start praying. As a matter of fact, it's a dare. This is a dare prayer. Amen. I dare you to pray this prayer. Amen, somebody. Show me Acts chapter 4 very quickly in verse number 29. Acts 4 and 29. Oh, I got to hurry. Acts 4 and 29. This is what happened when the, uh, the disciples were threatened to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And if you think we're far from that day, you got another thing coming. Amen. We're not far from people trying to tell us what to preach. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So watch this. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants. This is New Testament, by the way. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Next verse. By stretching forth thine hand to what? So look at the prayer that they're praying. Persecution is rising, and this is the prayer that they pray. God, give us boldness because they're threatening us. And watch this, how? By stretching forth thine hand to heal so that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Next verse. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so this is a ground-shaking prayer. Wonder what would happen if the whole church started praying this prayer. 
Because the Bible says they all came together and started praying that prayer right there. And they said, God, give us boldness and stretch forth your hand to heal so that signs and wonders might be done by the holy child, Jesus Christ. And when they prayed, the Bible says, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And everybody in the place was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word with boldness. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Hallelujah. Sign. A sign. How many of you know that a sign, watch this, uh, a sign points in a direction. You're driving down the street, a sign guides you. Amen, somebody? A sign, a biblical sign is always going to point you to the sun. I said it's always going to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to give you, watch this, next steps. Signs are good for finding out what to do next. Amen. Here's what you're not supposed to do. Do not worship a sign. You do not worship a sign. And any sign that doesn't point to Jesus is a false sign. I said any sign that does not point to Jesus is a false sign. Amen, somebody. Oh, God, have mercy in here. And listen, so the sign points to Jesus. When you see Jesus, you wonder. See, we're talking about signs and wonder. You can't get to wonder without having a sign. Because the sign points to Jesus. Amen. So you get a sign that points to Jesus. Then you see Jesus. When you see the one, you wonder. Are you in this place, church? But you can't have signs and wonders without Jesus. Are you blessed in here? Signs point to him. Wonders reveal him. Signs point to him, wonders reveal him. Some of the times, hallelujah, listen, we don't see an outpouring today because we have too many options. I wish I had time, but I don't. We have way too many options. I mentioned you go to Africa, you go to these third world countries, amen. When we went to Nicaragua, we went to Nicaragua on our missions trip. Listen, we went to an indigenous part of Nicaragua. In other words, the language was not Spanish. The language was called Mosquito, and none of us knew how to speak it. Amen? We had to get a translator to speak with us. Miracles started breaking out in that place. Watch this. To the point where we were more amazed of what God was doing than the people. Because, watch this, the people came believing to the extent where there was no other option. They came with an attitude that says, if God don't do it, it ain't going to get done, hallelujah. If God don't heal my stomach, hallelujah, there ain't no doctor here. There ain't no hospital here. There ain't nobody else here that can help me, hallelujah. But we heard that there is a church on the top of the mountain that's preaching. And so they came, they came. We didn't even think that many people were going to come. They flooded the house. And miracles started breaking loose in that place. 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds, on the floor for 40 minutes at a time and would not get up, hallelujah. A man that was totally blind. Some of you were there, come on. Totally blind, hallelujah. When this man came, they told me he couldn't see. His eyes were grayed out. There was no black in his eye. There was no white in his eyes. I put my hands on his eyes and I said, in the name of Jesus. And I saw this man's eyes change 
right in front of me. And then I backed up about 10 feet, hallelujah, and I said, how many, how many fingers do I have? And he told the other guy in his language, and the other guy told me two. How many fingers do I have? He said four. How many fingers do I have? He said nine. And he walked out of the place in the dark, but to him the dark was light because his eyes had just opened, hallelujah. You can't tell me God don't do miracles. You can't tell me. We serve a God who is unchanging. I say he's unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If God healed yesterday and he don't heal today, he changed. But my Bible says that he is the Lord thy God. He changeth not. He has not changed. He is the same. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help me in here. The only time you ain't going to need a gift is in glory. When you are face to face, that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says, face to face, not face to Bible, face to face. You won't need no gift, hallelujah, because there won't be no need for healing in heaven. There won't, need, there won't be no need for prophesying in heaven. There won't be no need for a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge in heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There won't be no need to speak in tongues in heaven. But while we're here, we need the gifts. Amen, somebody. You got churches teaching people today that he changed. The devil wants us to walk without power so that he can bind us again. But the devil is a liar. He's still the same. He's still unmovable. He's still unshakable. And he's still consistent. He's still the same God. I said he's the same God. I ain't lost. I told you miracles, watch this, hallelujah, are for the memory. Stay with me. Miracles are for the memory. He is the same God. Hallelujah. Now, let me close. Play something for me. Let me close. I'm going to use this as an illustration, hallelujah, and we're going to land the plane with this. You guys remember, hallelujah, uh, 1 Samuel 17 where a giant shows up. You know the story. His name is Goliath. He's huge. He's about nine feet tall. His spear weighs over 100 pounds. He has tremendous armor on, and he's challenging the people of God every day. For 40 days and for 40 nights, you know the story. He's challenging them. Do you have a champion? Do you have anybody that will fight me? And nobody in Israel, even King Saul, who was anointed to fight against the Philistines, said, I have met my match. He said, even I have limits. <laughs> he said, I'm not fighting him. And nobody wanted to fight him because in their mind, to be him is going to take a miracle. It's going to take somebody with supernatural strength. It's going to take somebody who has a gift, a certain kind of gift. To beat this, this giant. Amen. And you know the story. Here comes this little guy. This little guy, his name is David. And the giant is taunting and taunting and screaming and taunting. And David hears him. David hears him. And David said, who is this Philistine? This uncircumcised Philistine giant. And when you need to understand what that means, uncircumcised means that he is not covered. He's not, he has no covering. The God of Israel does not cover this man. 
This man has no covering. Who is this uncircumcised giant that he would dare defy the armies of the living God? You know the story? And David, and so who will fight me? And do you have a champion? And David yells, I'll fight him. And everybody's looking, but nobody's seeing him. And I can imagine David going, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Let me get through here, hallelujah. That's me, excuse me, get out the way. Let me come forward, hallelujah. I'll fight him. Remember what I said. Miracles are for the memory. Watch this. And what you need to understand, hallelujah, is that when you've been in a small season for a long time, and, and God's getting ready to bring you up or bring you to the forefront, he will prepare a gathering for your reintroduction. Because just in case you didn't get it, when Samuel anointed me in front of all my family, now God has gathered together a bigger crowd to reintroduce me. Because up until now, you know me as the worshiper. See, because they, they know him from playing his harp and casting out demons just by playing his instrument. But he said, I'm being reintroduced to you today because you thought I was just a worshiper, but I'm also a warrior. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. And so watch this. I don't know who you are, but God's about to bring you to the forefront. And he's about to move away every limitation and every restriction and everything that held you back until right now. And God's about to reintroduce you. God, help me in this place. And if that's you in this place, you better get ready. Because David got to a place, hallelujah, where he said, I'm tired of walking like this ain't in me. I'm, try, I'm tired of acting normal when I know God called me to greatness. And I'm tired, hallelujah, of trying to please everybody by acting like this, this individual that got nothing going for him. I'm tired of carrying this and hiding it. It's my time. It's my time. I've concealed this long enough. Watch this. And when you've been hidden by God, because I believe he was hidden by God. When you've been hidden by God for a long time and you first pop up, you can expect to get some resistance. Yes, 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 yes. Because you don't look like what they're used to. And so he pops up. Watch this. And King Saul says, kid... <laughs> You know, King Saul is basically looking at him like, that's cute, kid. That's cute. You know, that I'm glad that, you know, you want to uh, help us out. But um, you can't fight this giant. You're but a youth, and he's been a warrior since his youth. You can't possibly, possibly. So watch this. When that happens, do not be afraid to repeat yourself. Do not be afraid like David to say, God, I don't think you heard me the first time. 
So let me say it again, hallelujah. I will fight this giant. And watch this. I can hear, I can hear King Saul saying, boy, your own siblings don't like you. Your own brother don't like you. Your father hid you. Your father was embarrassed of you. Your father rejected you. We're not even 100% sure who your mama is. And David could have easily got discouraged, but that's not what he does. He said, you see, that's where you got it wrong. See, because you think that everything that disqualifies me and everything that is working against me is a detriment to me, but it's not. It's actually my footstool. Everything I've been through is actually the very thing that God is using to strengthen me for this moment. I ain't scared. And he didn't even try to prove King Saul wrong. He just let him in to his memory. I told you I wasn't lost. Because in essence, what he said, what you're saying about me is right. But you don't, but you don't know what happened the other day. What you're saying about me is right, but you don't know that the other day something happened. And so he said, watch this. The other day, a lion came and took one of my sheep. And I ran after him and I killed him with my hands and took my sheep back. And then a bear came, took my sheep, and I ran after him and I killed him with my bare hands. And I took my sheep back and he said, this giant, you didn't hear what I just said. Because of what I know he did for me yesterday. The God that don't change. He's, he understands that he serves the God that is unchangeable. So he says, the one who helped me yesterday is with me today. And I... You know, Saul probably didn't get it at first, and Saul probably said to him something, something like, hey, you know, that's cute because those are animals, and I'm glad that you got, you, you, you know, you made it through, hallelujah, the, the, the kitten and the cub. And David, in essence, said, you didn't, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. The same God that delivered me yesterday is the same God that's going to deliver me today. He's the same God. Hallelujah. It's what I'm trying to tell you. Miracles are for the memory, hallelujah. Not just your memory, but not just your memory, but those that are watching. He's going to deliver me. And you know, you know how the story. You know what he was saying? I'm closing. He had history with God. I might not have a great resume with people, but I have history with God. I might not have a great resume with people, but I have history 
with God. And the same God that delivered me yesterday is the same God that is delivering me today. Hallelujah. Woo, are you in this place? I said he's the same God. He's the same He's the same God. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's the God, hallelujah, that told Joshua when he was discouraged. In the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. Why? I'm the same God. I don't change. Elijah said, I want a double portion, Elijah, of what you have. And Elijah said, you're asking for a hard thing. But it's not impossible. Because he's the same God. I said, he's the same God. If you believe he's the same God, give him praise in this place right now. Come on, give him a real good praise offering in this place right now. Hallelujah.